Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of design, building, and remodeling. I'm Ethan Young, content writer at Isaiah Industries, and we're a manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host is Ryan Bell. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, good morning, Ethan. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. We've uh, been busy lately with, we got an event coming up this this April, the Metal Roofing Summit. So kind of been thinking about that, working on some marketing and stuff. I know you've been busy with that too. Uh, what have you been up to with that? Uh, just a lot of kind of getting the website up to date and ship shape. Just published the schedule yesterday. So if you go to metalroofingsummit.com, you can see what the agenda is looking like and the speakers we have lined up. We have a few uh, empty spots still that we're looking to fill, um, but I'm sure within the next week or so, those will be those will be in there, and we'll have our lineup set in stone. And just looking forward to seeing everyone again in April. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. Last year was actually my first time, uh, my first chance going to a metal roofing summit person, and it was a really great event. So for any listeners that are unfamiliar, it's it's not it's not a marketing event. It's anything for our company. It's just an event where we try to kind of advance the industry. We bring in you know knowledgeable speakers about different areas like marketing and sales, and just try and propel the metal roofing industry forward for residential uh, markets. So looking forward to that. That's the end of April. I think April 25th to 27th here in Dayton, Ohio. So and that's a metalroofingsummit.com for anybody interested. Before we get started with our guest today, I do want to let our listeners know we are doing challenge words this episode. So sure a lot of you listeners are familiar with that but each of us has chosen a word and given it to someone else and our job is to try and weave it into the conversation so we'll see if we're successful let you know at the end but today i do want to introduce our guest this is jacob waddell president of the hemp building institute which is a nonprofit organization that helps environmentally conscious consumers invest in the future of the planet by supporting the creation of better building practices so thanks for joining us jacob glad you could be here on uh, construction disruption with us Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, this is this is exciting. This is fun. Um, I, I was just looking at that event, the Metal uh, Roofing Summit. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really good. We've had, we've had some experiences with um, you know industry leaders just kind of getting together and communicating, and you not only does it build camaraderie, but you do learn a lot. And often mm-hmm. there's business connections and, and important interactions that happen there that really lead to. Um, future things. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. We love putting those on. I think it creates a lot of value for, for everybody, you know, like I said, kind of push the whole industry forward. So, um, I do want to start by asking, can you tell us a little bit about the hemp building Institute and kind of how would you describe that to somebody who's unfamiliar with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the hemp building Institute is kind of forwarding the hemp building and the natural building industries. Um, previously I had been running the U S hemp building association, okay. the trade association in our industry. Um, and this is moving away from that. We're not, we're a non-member based group. So, um, there's no, there's no members. We're just basically collecting funds and executing on projects that are needed to move the industry forward. So currently we're looking at building codes. Uh, last year with the USHBA, the US Hemp Building Association, US Hemp Building Foundation, um, I led the, the charge to get into the IRC, the International Residential Code. Um, we're, we're needing to finish off the commentary for that. 
and we're actually fundraising right now. Um, so we're kind of moving forward with that. Um, we're looking at ASTM standards for testing standards. Um, you know, we're uh, trying to figure out there's some performance stand, um, performance testing that needs to get done for our industry. Uh, primarily, like, well, major one is firewall testing. Uh, it's important test. It's just expensive. And we have a material that is extremely fire resistant um, because basically it's hempcrete. And we'll go and I, I guess we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Without going too far, we're trying to move the industry forward. Definitely pushing that cause further. So I guess we'll go in real quick before we get any further. Can you explain to the listeners kind of a little bit about what hempcrete is and how, you know, what role you hope to see in the in the building industry with hempcrete in the future? Yes. So hempcrete is um, a aggregate-based composite. Uh, you have uh, hemp as the aggregate in a lime uh, structure, uh, kind of. Kind of like, you know, cement is, um, or concrete is Portland cement and like rock aggregate. This is lime, um, kind of like limestone, rock type lime, um, and a plant-based or hemp-based aggregate. Uh, it's used in wall systems. Um, basically, the most beneficial performance uh, aspect of it is its insulation value. Um, but you basically create an entire wall structure. So you'll have like a stick frame of a building and then you have this around the stick frame and it creates your insulation. It creates, you know, your surface for putting materials on, uh, such as plaster. Um, yeah. And there's uh, fireproof, um, healthy, um, as you know, no chemicals at all, no off gassing, um, uh, high pH in the lime, so it prevents like mold and things. So there's there's lots of benefits to it, but basically it's it's a walling system. Uh, they also can use it in roofing, uh, kind oh, of roofing okay. insulation, as well as they've done some flooring insulation, like subfloor. Um, different companies are coming out with different products as well beyond hempcrete. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I mean it sounds pretty versatile. Um, and something you mentioned there, which I do want to touch on sustainable building and green products and all this stuff is kind of a really big deal right now. It's been a big deal for a while, but how specific, how specifically does hempcrete and the hemp building industry, how does that kind of tap into that? How does that, you know, kind of push that forward? So, uh, in a huge way, because mm -hmm. hempcrete and most hemp products are actually carbon negative, um, okay. which is a big change from highly carbon positive things, yeah. uh, to explain that, uh, basically as a plant grows, it absorbs a bunch of carbon, you know, and turns that carbon into the plant material. It's, you know, photosynthesis. Uh, that then gets trapped into stone. So for the, the life of the building, that carbon that was absorbed by that plant is not in the environment anymore. Uh, so it actually leads to a, a carbon negative um, building product that really, if we talk about things like going carbon zero or net zero buildings and things like this, you're going to need carbon negative aspects to the building to balance off the, the required carbon positive things. Like you need metal in the building. You yeah, need the, yeah. You know, so other things that, um, this can balance. So you mentioned a little bit before your experience with the U S hemp building association and all that. And I saw when I was, you know, doing my research that you have some experience in manufacturing construction. How has that helped you kind of advance the cause and how has that helped you, 
you know, better, better serve, uh, I guess the hemp, the hemp building cause. I believe that a person is the accumulation of what they've gone through in life and to get to a point. Absolutely. Uh, I have lived a, I've done many, many things. I've lived many lives, as I like to say. Uh, being in the manufacturing industry, especially my time in automotive, mm-hmm. taught me quality control systems, taught me high pressure situations, um, and how to manage and how to move through those. That has helped a great deal in my time at the U.S. Hemp Building Association and now with the, the Hemp Building Institute to guide it and to, to look at it from a business sense. Um, this is very critical, not only for the industry to have functioning organizations like this, but also being able to speak the language of businesses and companies, because in the end, that's how we move forward. We're going to move forward when we get considerable interest from major players in the construction industry that want to do this and again gaining their confidence and doing the things that we need to do to set up quality systems in our industry i think is how we get there yeah especially with this you know a newer product and something like this you know on this level where it has a lot of potential to change the way we build a lot of potential to to be wide you know widespread wide, have some widespread adoption and all that so i, I can definitely see what you're saying where having that to kind of sort of reassure the people who are looking to get into the market would be a huge boon. So where do you see hemp being maybe down the line, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years in the future? Do you think widespread adoption is, you know, close on the horizon? Do you think it's going to take some time? I know you guys have had that big victory recently that's getting adopted in the code. And So uh, with this product, um, we actually have the benefit that it's been used in Europe for like mm-hmm. 30 years. So we've kind of seen their growth pattern. Um, There's obviously differences in our building environment than theirs. So we can't say that we'll behave the same way. Actually, there's a lot of potential. We can be more explosive um, with the adoption and the use, but probably for different reasons. So, um, you know, this product, Hempcrete, really started in France in the 1980s. it was trying to repair old buildings and old construction. And they were basically using concrete and it was causing water issues because vapor couldn't permeate through the building material like it used to do in the older building materials. So that's how the guy came up and came up with hempcrete. And it was mimicking old building materials. Like when you talk about the concept of mixing lime with organic material as an aggregate, this is an old, old uh, practice. This is uh, Romans consistently used it. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, old construction that they did during the expansion of um, the Roman Empire that is still operational, still standing bridges, things like that. Um, what we've seen in their environment is a steady uptake and increase and acceleration of its use. Okay. I would hope... What, what we're trying to do and what we're trying to push for is um, people to realize it is an option. Mm-hmm. We don't expect everyone to use hempcrete or hemp materials at all. Um, you know, it depends on your motivations, but we want it to be something that people can look at. If people are worried about their health, 
you know, they go, okay, you know, I don't want to have toxic materials in my house. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I'm, you know, worried about sick building syndrome. I'm worried about mold, these type of things. You separate. Or, you know, I want to cut my electrical bills down. So I want a better insulative material that um, doesn't have to use my HVAC as much because that is the, for one, the highest electrical consumption of a house. We run into that some with roofing too, where being able to lower that electric bill really makes a big difference in sustainability for the whole home. And especially with a product like that, where, you know, it can be used in a lot of different areas, a lot of different, but yeah, no. Um, I guess right along with that, you touched on a little bit, are there any, what unique advantages does hemp have for building purposes? You know, we talked about that kind of sustainability. You talked about that insulation values or anything else that, you know, makes it a great alternative for people to consider. Yeah. So, um, it again, depends on your motivations and your concerns. If you're concerned and motivated by the environment, the, the car, the negative carbon impact of the building, um, it's huge. And, you know, of course it's a potential negative carbon because it depends on transport and everything and really getting life cycle assessments on our industry is a critical, another critical hurdle that we need to cross. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Yeah. That's a big one. Health is another big one. There's people in our industry that are specifically in this industry. Uh, I know one person that was in remediation, like trying to deal with, um, damage in houses in New Orleans that were mold ridden or had that, that nasty Chinese drywall that came in in the, in the late uh, aughts and, um, you know, the, these issues. Um, and then we had like another one that whose family had illness um, caused by sick building syndrome and actually was mold presence. Um, and both of these people are led into this industry for specifically health reasons. Um and then the then again there there is the value in the the insulation itself and the high performance material that has a financial benefit. It, it may cost a little more to install, but over time you'll recoup that cost, and then it'll it'll end up um, being cheaper. Yeah, and that's something I was going to touch on too. Just that like adoption cost. I don't you know you kind of answered it there, but is, is hemp is a little bit more expensive than traditional kind of comparison, or what's it? So, uh, well, hemp treat, I hear between 20 and 30% okay. greater costs. Um, there's, I'm getting some specific numbers. There was this project in, uh, North Dakota, Fargo, North Dakota, uh, by grassroots, uh, development LLC, where they built a two tiny homes, one with conventional construction and one with hemp based construction. Um, they're still crunching their numbers, I think, and working through it. But once that they get that developed, we'll have a, a better, like a good comparison in the market. But in general, the rule of thumb is 20, 30 uh, percent. But this is a high performance material. So if if you're wanting to have a good quality home, um, you often spend 20 to 30 percent more. Yeah, and I think that that justification makes perfect sense. You know, you're getting some you're getting a better product for more money makes perfect sense. So. And, and it's it's a time thing as well. We're we're at a very we're at the opening stages of this industry. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's like every industry. It's most expensive at the beginning until you get the economies of scale laying in. Yeah. And once we get there, we'll, we should see the prices drop. You know, there there were a lot there was lots of talk uh, during the lumber crisis. You know, a year ago, year and a half ago, there's the lumber spike that everyone's like, oh no, this is the perfect time. And if if our industry would have 
had its feet set a little bit more and had these pieces in place, that could have been a big deal to us because that's all it takes is like a little fluctuation and a commodity and suddenly we're cheaper than that. Mm-hmm. And we just need to get our industry set up and, and awareness out. And then when something like that occurs, we'll suddenly become the best option. Okay. Yeah. Are there other hemp based building products or materials other than hempcrete? Absolutely. So, um, hemp wood is made in Murray, Kentucky. Um, so they, they take the hemp stalks and they compress them into a wood like material. Currently they, there's furniture made out of it. Flooring is, is the major market. Um, they're working right now towards a structural uh, material. Uh, so that will be a big game changer when that comes out. You know, they will still have to compete with wood, but you suddenly have a viable wood alternative. And, uh, you know, it, the other one um, that I'd like to talk about is hemp wool. So that is like bat insulation. Uh, there's a company called Hempitexture in Idaho. Um, who just opened a factory like a couple days ago. Well, yeah, I guess this is going to be aired later, but a couple, like a week ago, um, they opened their their factory for production and uh, they're, yeah, like I said, it's uh, bad insulation that's made out of the hemp fiber. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, there's also talk about like OSB board. Um, People have created things like this before, just not to scale and not uh, maintain production. Um, there's, there's a great deal of potential that, that can be replaced or, um, you know, just help settle the market. I mean, the reality is there, there's, there's potential here for a lot of, uh, local economies to survive and thrive. If we can get these type of industries, it'll build resilience in our, um, our construction industry where we're no longer dependent on foreign sources for materials yeah. and, you know, and again, that's like kind of the wood conversation is that's really what it would be doing in that case. It'd be, it, it's real building resilience in the market when one product for some reason or another skyrockets in price, you have another option and you have a good solid option. So it's probably safe to say there's more products coming down the, down the line too, and more potential for what can be developed with it. Yes. I know someone, uh, I know someone made a coffin out of one. Uh, so oh. <laughs> basically anything that like, you know, it's like a wood type, it's, it's yeah. a, you know, cellulosis material. Yeah. You have the long fibers and you have like the woody core. So you can cover a lot of bases. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, automotive parts is another big one for the industry, but automotive really, huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So automotive parts with hemp have been used in Europe for a while. Um, door panels, things like this. Oh, okay. um, it, it's a composite often, but they're also using it like filler material in, okay. in injection molding. Um, they're looking at it like this and all of these are just, a lot of it has to do with environmental impact um, is really the motivator for a lot of the larger industries. I do want to go back to, uh, you were talking about earlier that adoption in the, in the international residential code. What was that like? And what does that kind of mean for hemp in the future? All right. So what was it like? It was a grueling uh, <laughs> exercise. <laughs> um, it you know, spent a lot of time. But basically, uh, you normally take years to develop code language and work through these things. We 
had a very tight window before the um, submission date for the, the 2024 IRC. Uh, so in about four months, we crammed in like a year's worth of work and and got it all done. Um, brought on some consultants. And I, actually, like, right now, we're, we're fundraising for the, the last part, which is the commentary. And I'll kind of break that up. But we brought in some consultants that had experience with natural building materials in the codes uh, that had dealt with the straw bale, the straw clay, um, the cob, and the tiny ho- house codes. Um, and they uh, brought them on to help us with this and kind of usher us through it and know the right people to talk to, et cetera. Uh, for us as an industry, we the reason why we had to have a code was because our material is different than current building materials. Um, there's certain aspects, um, like you needed a vapor open system. Uh, so you, you actually have vapor passing through your wall and... So you have moisture control that occurs from that, like it's a moisturing, like dampening, and that's the same with the, with the heat in general. It, it kind of works like a sink, if you will, for both humidity and for uh, temperature. But because of that, you don't have a, a wrap on, you know, or the wrap has to have a vapor permeability high enough. Um, but I think I, specifically in the code, we said no wrap because it gets it can get dangerous because you can have moisture trapping, and that could be a problem. Uh, so it's it's things like that that were specific alterations from standard building procedures that we needed to write a code in to to expressly state these things to prevent failures and to make sure that good quality construction is occurring. I guess my next question would be, you know, after that after that victory, what's kind of the next, you know, what do you think the next step is for the hemp industry? Is it just kind of public awareness? Is it adoption? Is it you know spooling up marketing or manufacturing? Yeah, um, and and I did I did miss something on that that last one, but at least this one. So the, the next steps really, um, what we got accepted into the codes was the code language and a reason statement. Um, there's another layer of the code, which is the commentary, which is it's kind of like an extra thing in the IRC that many people don't access or utilize, but it it talks about the intent and clarifies anything in the code language that might be confusing and is kind of used by the the top level code and building officials if they have any questions or concerns. So completing that's the next real major step and then adoption. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're all aware being in this industry that codes around this country are incredibly splintered and uh, you know sometimes it's state to state, sometimes it's county to county or city to city uh, that you know, their offices get to decide what gets built there. And so we've been accepted into the model codes, but now we might need to actually be adopted into the building codes in the different jurisdictions. So that's, that's a huge next step um, that will be will, quite an undertaking and a little bit less straightforward than the document. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And like you said, I mean, with all those different, different areas having different codes and you touched on earlier too, you know, the United States is a pretty geographically diverse country and there's a lot of different areas that are maybe going to be better suited to using hempcrete and hemp materials and others, maybe not, or maybe there's different, you know, different products that'll work best in different areas. So. And, and the reality is there's still a lot of learning that needs to yeah. go on with this material. Um, there's buildings that have been built all over the country at this point. Um, you know, but we're less than a hundred that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they've been built in different spots around the world from cold climates to, to warm climate. It, it, we want to collect data the best we can. Uh, like that, that house I mentioned up in North Dakota with the two tiny homes, they're actually collecting data. And really, if we can implement more um, data collection into new construction of these buildings, we could actually learn a lot and really move the needle forward. Uh, performance data, you know, the, the comparable is, is good because it's comparing to known buildings, but comparing the same technology in different locations will just more get that data that other industries have been building for decades and decades. And we really need to catch up with. Yeah. Especially as a newer product makes for, you know, something you just kind of need to get that wealth of information that makes it easier to make a lot of decisions, you know? So definitely understand that. Um, I do want to ask something, that, a topic that comes up a lot in all of our episodes is the skilled labor shortage and kind of creating jobs and stuff. How do you think hemp and the hemp building industry would be able to maybe help address that? Or what do you think, what kind of role would it play in that? So, um, you know, it, this, this is definitely a skill, especially if you're, if you're hand casting it, which is, you know, actually physically putting it in on site. There's a way uh, with new technologies like panels and bricks that can actually um, be equivalent to masonry. And okay. so you can, you can overlap known um, technologies. Um, it's tricky because when you talk about the skilled labor shortage, is it a skill that people can learn and make a career out of? Absolutely. But we have a labor shortage. So we actually need something that's easier. To use. And that really goes to um, precast, like bricks in a factory or panels in a factory um, type environment that are then installed. Uh, we're going to be working on a project here, hopefully, in the, uh, the next year or so. We're, we're doing the preliminary work on it right now. Um, using a paneling system most likely. And it'll, it, we're trying to, to do a build. Uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee in this area so that we can have exposure to it, to um, a wider audience, as well as we're trying to figure out if we can make an affordable housing version of this, like an affordable version um, and, and kind of couple it with some other technologies to try to, save on energy and things like this so that we can make the argument that the, the increased building costs are counteracted by the lower operational costs and make them affordable to live in. So that, that's our hope. That's our, our challenge right now for ourselves uh, to see if we can come up with this and to see if we can work through the, the difficulties in that because it's not going to be easy. But if we can figure it out, that should be progress. And, and again, getting back to the labor shortage, if it's easy to use, hopefully it doesn't strain the labor market. No, and I think, you know, especially with the potential that this this uh, this product has, you know, it could, could add a lot of jobs, could add a lot of capabilities for people and could, could definitely have a, a big impact. Yeah, if we, if we talk about jobs as a whole, mm -hmm. we're talking about farmers, we're talking about processors like that, the process this material. You have a manufacturer that needs to manufacture this material, and then you have the building side. So jobs as a whole, you're build, you can build local economies. You really, it doesn't make sense to ship hemp long distances uh, because of its low density. It, it's just, it takes a, 
a lot of, I guess, fuel per what you're using for it to really um, get to where it needs to be. Um, you know, I bought stuff and I think 40% of my cost of my hemp that came in was the shipping cost. Wow. Uh, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. And right now we're importing stuff from Europe. So oh, yeah. wow. it's a little ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so in general, job wise, it, it's good for the economy, the local economy and can, and really have an uplifting effect. Basically, if you get into a town or an area and you build the factory there that's going to produce parts. It makes sense to have a processor near them, and it makes sense for most of their material to come from farms near them. Yeah. So you can, by investing in the end product, and if there's a market to sell that end product, you can make that strong argument, you can actually kind of revitalize an area or a region. Uh, so it could be really impactful. Yeah, no, that sounds really pretty awesome. Um, I might be a little ignorant here, but... What kind of, or is there like a particular area that's best suited for hemp growing? Like, is it pretty widespread in the U.S. that it would be effective? Or so what? What we're seeing, I, I traveled around all around the U.S. last year and the year before my last role. Um, you see, different regions seem to be uh, in the right position for different markets. So, grain. We right now we buy like hemp grain, like hemp hearts and things like this. Uh, the major, like, I think it's, it's something crazy. Like 80% of our production is actually coming from Canada, um, and getting imported in, but we see a very strong grain market in the, the Northern U United States. Um, you know, like North Dakota, South Dakota, that's what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Montana, uh, then you have like the fiber side, um, fiber, the fi it kind of makes sense where the industry is. Um, so even though it's, can be grown anywhere that we have existing infrastructure, like in the Carolinas, North Carolina specifically, um, seems to be a big hub of this. Um, but anywhere that has like textile background and textile infrastructure, because the most part, we don't want to build our own infrastructure. If we can utilize existing infrastructure, it, it behooves us. Um, yeah, that's kind of what you're seeing. Um, you can grow it. They're trying to grow it everywhere. And again, it, it kind of, you can grow it anywhere. You just, it's really just the idea is to get it where there's infrastructure that can handle it. Um, you know, when you talk about grains, when you, that makes sense when you have large tracts of land, mm -hmm. um, you know, th things like this. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense earlier with you talking about, you know, the economies of scale. So getting in places where, it's already manufacturing all that kind of capabilities already around. So then it's just easier to kind of get that product adopted and get it, you know, get it on its way to being, being widespread. So, um, I think that is most of my questions before we wrap up. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you think, Oh, I kind of want to say that before we, before we get close to the end here. Visit us at hempbuildinginstitute.org, O-R-G, um, Consider donating right now if, if you can to our fundraiser to help finish the IRC commentary. Uh, this is what I was talking about before. That this is really informing the highest level professionals on how to interpret our code. Uh, we can also add some things in there. We're really trying to make sure that the hemp building industry has a voice in that document. We, we've been given the keys to create it ourselves, um, which is not something that always happens. And we want to make sure that we can really drive that home. The costs really are the consultants and, and things like that that we, we need to 
to cover. So we're, we're fundraising for that. Um, that's the big stuff. Gotcha. So, yeah. yeah. Well, before we finish up, uh, one fun thing we like to do here at construction disruption is called rapid fire questions. So we like to kind of end each episode with this. So this is seven questions. Some of them are a little serious. Some are a little silly, but all we need you to do is just, just give us a, a short answer for each of them. So what do you think? Are you up for, up for rapid fire? Yes. Awesome. Okay. All right. I will start with the first question then I'll let Ryan get an alternate on the rest of them. So, all right. If you could take one person with you in a zombie apocalypse, who would it be? Oh, geez. Okay. I have a problem right now. Uh, my, my problem is uh, I, I have a relationship right now that's going very well. I would probably bring my girlfriend. <laughs> um, and, and the reason is because she's an incredibly capable human being that I trust very intensely. So that's really what you need. You need trust and someone that's willing to work. So um, I'd probably bring her at this point. Sounds perfect. Yeah. We, we had someone answer that question with their grandma, and it was kind of the same reasoning behind it, I believe. I don't remember who it was, but they were like, yeah, yeah I think I, my grandma. <laughs> well, they said... Their grandma, they said, was like, you know, still super active and like doing yeah. hiking trips and something or like a canoe. Trip, like, so, that you know, it makes sense, I guess. Yep. Yeah. A beast you can trust. Right. That's, that's yep. Um, sounds like a grandma I wouldn't want to mess with. <laughs> All right. Next question. Are you a night owl or a morning person? I'm a morning person. That's reality. I do my, I do my best stuff the first three or four hours of the day and then it all kind of like peters out. Um, Interesting. You get burnt out around like 1 or 2 p.m.? Yeah, somewhere around lunch. I mean, like I normally still have meetings and things happening, but my actual, my best functioning time is basically 8 to 10 usually. And then at 10 is when my meetings start. So those first two hours are normally pretty good. And then uh, I like the night. I do. I like, to, I like to go out and have fun. But to be honest, I'm a morning person. All right, next one. This is kind of a fun one. If you were a wrestler, what would your entrance song be? All right. So, um, um, maybe, uh, zombie by fella Kute. Interesting. So I've been listening to fella like a little bit. I actually listened to a new fella song yesterday and it's this guy from Nigeria. It's Afrobeat mm -hmm. is like that. He started back in the seventies and cool. stuff like that. Um, but it's it's very rhythmic, like really good beats, and it's almost all like war and protest songs. So, like the one I was listening to yesterday, it was like he had been in jail for twelve years and kind of wrote the song while in jail, and then came out of jail and put the song out, and it caused a big uproar. Wow! Yeah, but, yeah. But it's uh, yeah. So I, I think that would be it. That or like almost any, well, um, well, no. Uh, recently. Uh, I think it's Billy Jack by uh, Curtis Mayfield. Hmm. I like the rhythm in that. Goat, almost anything by Goat, probably. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look some of this up. So. Yeah, me too. Who was the first artist? Fela Kuti. So it's F E L A K U T I. And yeah, the song "Zombie" is like talking about soldiers and war, basically. I love I love when we ask these questions because a lot. It's never, I mean, maybe occasionally we've had someone with a common song, but it's usually always someone I've never heard of. And I'm like, well, I got some new music to listen to. Next question. What impact do you hope to have on the world? So I have made it 
my mission in life to to do what I can to try to help um, the environment in the world. Um, I, I think we need to. I, I understand civilization. I like civilization. I like my house. I like you know all the luxuries we have. Um, we just need to figure out how to work better with the world around us. I, I think the, these materials, the hemp materials, natural building in general is a way to move towards that and to do that um, so that we can both have our, our great comforts that we've, we've come accustomed to at the same time, um, just work more in harmony with our environment. Gotcha. Very noble. All right. Here's kind of a fun one. If you had to delete all but three apps from your phone, which would you keep? Like, would you go cold turkey with social media or what do you think? See, I'm not a big social media person. Like I'm having to learn that in order to like push the Hemp Building Institute. But honestly, I was basically a ghost on social media until like my birthday last year when I was like, I have to make a change yeah. because I need people to actually hear my voice. Um, so social media wouldn't be an issue. Um, music's a big thing to me. I, I do listen to a lot of Spotify. Um I don't know if mail counts as an app, but I sadly have to be connected. Um, uh, probably a game. I've been doing a lot of the, there's like this uh, hard Sudoku game. Um, Killer Sudoku. Killer Sudoku. So yeah. it's like Sudoku, but you have like internal boxes that mm -hmm. have a number on it. So as well as the normal Sudoku, you have like two things put together to say 17. So you know it's a nine and an eight in those two numbers. Because those are the only two things that equal 17. And it just adds another layer to it. Um, I'm a math person, so. Yeah. No, I, I was introduced to Killer Sudoku. I think I found it on like a YouTube video. There's a couple guys that do that and do like really absurd, crazy hard Sudokus. But it's a, it's a, it's a really fun game and it, it goes really deep. I think I've done an expert like once, but I had to cheat and get like a hint or two. But pretty fun. What's the best or worst advice you've ever been given? You know, it's hard because I, I can't actually think of like quotes from anybody, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I think um, very crucial advice. You know, you 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 got you you got to live. Mm. Like you, you can't just sit your life on the, the sideline. You you get you gotta you gotta live and do things. You're gonna make mistakes. Um, that's just that's a reality, and you gotta keep moving on through them. Uh, worst advice. Um, <laughs> invest in crypto <laughs> <laughs> yeah. especially right before that crash last year yeah <laughs> it's got it's got to come back right yeah yeah I, th I think i bought a small like small 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 fraction of bitcoin right before it crashed and i was like well and that was my first like inkling of being interested in it and yeah that room yeah it. I, I actually i i know some people may did very well in bitcoin yeah um, and i'm i think i'm about even about even because I got in like right about the time before it really picked up. And I think where it's at now is about when I originally bought it. Yeah. Some people did really well. Not everybody. Alrighty. Last question. What do you think you'd like to do when you retire? So, you know, the, the life I'm living right now is really what I want to do with my life. Um, but so it's, it's kind of like, I, I guess ideally, ideally what I'm doing is traveling around the world, trying to, help people improve their situations hopefully and 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 both environmentally friendly and um 
socially uplifting way. Uh, there, there's a lot of potential with what we do uh, with these materials that like communities such as like indigenous communities around mm-hmm. the world um, or, you know, either even smaller economies that, um, you know, especially if they have labor force, can come in and, and utilize this material and, and really be on the forefront of a new industry as well as creating housing and um, creating jobs. So when I retire, I'd like to travel the world and keep working to help people. <laughs> nice. Awesome. It sounds like you're in a, in a good spot right now. I'm, I'm going to, I don't mean to exasperate, but I want to throw in an eighth question here for you. All this talk about hemp reminds me of the first hemp necklace I got at the county fair when I, in the nineties, do you own any hemp necklaces? I don't own any hemp necklaces. I do own some hemp shirts. I think hemp shoes. I got a hemp belt on. Okay. Uh, I'm not the, I'm not the, there are certain people that like own a lot of hemp. In my <laughs> um, I, I'm not quite there. Um, but uh, I do not own, I just don't wear necklaces. That's yeah. I'm, I'm a little disappointed you didn't have one on for this, but <laughs> we'll let it slide. All right. Next time I will go out and I will buy for this. Nice. All right. Well, I do want to, before we kind of finish up here, I do want to say so. We did, I think all three of us get our challenge words in. So I'll let Ryan, you go first. What was your word? Exasperate. I don't even think I used it properly, but I had to get it in there at the end. Yeah. I think it worked out great. So mine was uh, turkey, which I, I got in there all right. It took me a little bit to think of it. And then, Jacob, what was your word? Mine was calibrate. And I said calibration. Ah, that's all right. That counts. But when did you use turkey? I must have missed it. I said if you had to delete the delete all the apps, I said, would you go cold turkey with social media? Oh, yeah. oh man, you wow. tricked both of us. Neither of us caught it. Yeah. That, that, was, that was under the radar, but mm. I do remember that. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Well played. So yeah. that, that we all yeah. We, yeah, I think I guess I'll take it for this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you mentioned it before, but what's the best way for people to kind of learn more about hemp or learn more about the Hemp Building Institute or get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, so hempbuildinginstitute.org, um, hemp underscore, uh, hempbuildinginstitute.org website, um, social media like Instagram is hemp underscore building underscore institute. Um, we're on Facebook. I think it's the same thing. I think it's hemp underscore build. Oh no, that may be hemp building Institute. Just one thing. Um, I can't exactly remember. I just made it. Um, yeah, that's probably a good way. Uh, my email is Jacob at hemp building Institute.org. So you can reach out to me there if you need to talk to me about anything. Um, yeah, the hemp building, uh, us hemp building association is a really good place. The international hemp building association has some good information. So uh, there, there's a couple other organizations that are in our um, our world that are very helpful. Um, we're growing, so mm-hmm. hopefully more and more. The answer will be everywhere. Awesome, but yeah. right now those are some of the best spots. Awesome. Well, thanks for the interview. It was uh, great talking with you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. Um, and again, I, I think this this summit you are having for your industry is is a great thing. And um, if I was in metal roofing, I would be going. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. All right, and thanks to our listeners, too, for turning, tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Jacob Waddell, president of the Hemp Building Institute. So keep an eye out for future episodes. We have some more great guests coming up. 
And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Till next time, stay curious and open innovation. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. This podcast is produced by Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building products. Thank you.